Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. Hello and welcome to this episode. We're talking dreaming of being a digital nomad. If you have any aspirations of a year abroad and didn't do it in college, like most people, then this episode is for you. I'm very excited to delve into what's possible. I'm going to keep it short and sweet so that we can continue on in this series because that's what this is going to be actually a series about travel. And I have my friend Ian to thank for that because he said, you've done all this travel. You should talk about it. So here I am starting to talk about it. And I guess in a more structured way, I've shared some episodes in the past about my travels. Um, but it's something I sort of, I think took for granted. I kind of thought everybody not, I mean, everyone can figure it out, but somehow I thought everyone just didn't want to hear about it. And yet there is a huge (laughs) digital nomad space and community. I actually have a group called women digital nomads on Facebook with hundreds of members and, um, haven't been so active in there or kept that up because well, travel has sort of changed the way I view travel has changed in recent years because of my own personal life. But that doesn't mean that the nomad community isn't existent and isn't thriving. And so I think I kind of used my personal life as a litmus test. And I thought that, you know, why should I share or how, or why would this be useful? And, but it is, it is useful. And I've done a lot of travel and the past decade has been hugely dedicated to me exploring and living in different places. And so why wouldn't I share about this? I think I have a wealth of knowledge. So what I'm going to do is share a couple of links. We'll start with a broad overview of, okay, what is it to be a digital nomad? Is it for you? Have you been considering, let's say a year abroad or a couple years abroad to really just explore different landscapes and work remotely? Of course, a lot of us have that capability now. I'd say I'm a bit of an OG digital nomad or online worker, thanks to an amazing manager of mine, really my first corporate manager who was just so supportive and believed in me and allowed me to work from home at 18 years old. And that was sort of 18, 19. And, and that was huge because that's when I started my first business. Again, really thanks to her belief in me and extending the opportunity to be a contractor with the company that I had been working with instead of an employee. And that just set me on a track. Um, full disclosure, you know, my father is an entrepreneur. And so, you know, his influence throughout my life has absolutely been pivotal in me believing that I could approach this and do this too. So, I mean, there are a couple of factors that set me up for this path that not everyone is exposed to, but I'd say if you get a good manager and now, especially, I think, I mean, remote, isn't this wild, crazy proposition. Like it was in 2012 when I started this, I mean, even just to say 2012, like it's been 10 years, that's, that's even wild to me. Um, (laughs) so in, in honor of, you know, 11 years, it's 2023, you know, about 11 years of this, I think it's, uh, due time for me to explore this topic. So, you know, what is a digital nomad? Well, it's somebody that works and travels, lives, lives and travels, right? We know the nomadic lifestyle from 
different cultures and traditions where they lived in a nomadic fashion to hunt and gather and had camps and would move around. And I think this is a return to something like that. Um, there's there are pros and cons, just like everything else. So I think in your dreamer state, you know, it's like, wow, I'm going to travel and work from a cafe and have these amazing espressos or teas and kind of sit on a patio and work. And I will say in the past month, I was in Orlando um, for some family stuff and I absolutely got a day. It was a Friday where I didn't have meetings and I was able to sit on a beautiful little patio in downtown Orlando and have an amazing coffee from a cafe, the Robinson cafe actually, which a uh, really great spot. And they've got a workspace upstairs and um, this like cinnamon toast crunch coffee thing going on. That was just mind blowing for me. Um, decaf of course, <laughs> but you just gorgeous place. And so I did have one of those kind of picturesque moments of laptop and coffee cafe kind of setting. But I think there's a lot that is unseen, just like any endeavor, right? People talk about starting a business or becoming a parent or all these kind of big life moments that <laughs> on the surface seem picturesque, but of course there's more. And so a couple things that I think need to be considered that are becoming more mainstream. I mean, when I started, you were just sort of a tourist, maybe a working tourist, but the visa situation was pretty ambiguous. And so you were just kind of traveling as long as you didn't accept money from clients, do work within that country. So like I wasn't going when I lived in Brazil, I wasn't going to Brazil to do work in Brazil. I was going to Brazil. I had my base clients in Canada, right? So I wasn't going to Brazil to like poach these clients or build this business. I think there's kind of, there are a few distinctions, right? And now with the global market, it even more of a global marketplace, right? If you're running like an e-commerce brand, or if you're an entrepreneur and you're kind of, you have clients from all over the place, it gets a bit murky because are you working in this country or not? Right? So the visa thing can be a bit sticky and you certainly don't want to get on the bad side of immigration in that capacity. I've been exceptionally careful to not go over the line of what's allowed. Um, the United States is pretty strict. And so you're going to want to do your homework there. I think having an immigration lawyer, if you're thinking about this from an immigration, so long-term perspective is key. So if you're thinking I'm going to go live somewhere for a few years, you might need an immigration lawyer, but if you're someone that's thinking six to 12 months, I want to do kind of work abroad. If some countries even have programs like reciprocity programs. So you've got Canada, Australia that have sort of work abroad programs that a lot of Canadians capitalize on. That's something you can look at um, where you can pretty well live in Australia um, just because you're Canadian and, and work there. And there are some stipulations, but um, my cousin did something like that for teaching and really loved Australia. Um, when I traveled through, it was less of a, okay, I'm going to live here for a year. So this is kind of something I think you need to distinguish, which is, are you going to be truly nomadic where, and, and there's no like right answer to duration, but I think if you're nomadic, you're not like setting up camp in one country for six months or 12 months as a home base. I mean, again, this is like splitting hairs. The definition doesn't matter, but you've got to identify, okay, what is my dream? How do I expect this to look? Do I want to be in 12 countries over 12 months or two or one? 
you know, like, is this an immersive experience or is this digital nomad, you know, 12 countries in Europe or 12 countries in South America or 12 countries in Africa? Like, what is this? Right. So I think that's a really, really important place to start because it's exceptionally different. Like the experience is just totally different because if you're somewhere for six months or a year, you're getting a place, you might want to get, you know, longer term furnished apartment housing. You are figuring out how to really be ingrained in a community where, and and I, as I traveled, when I started, it would be two weeks here, you know, a month there, a couple months here, a couple months there. I was going back to Canada. Then it became, you know, okay. Um, you know, six months here, go back to Canada. I realized that I like the immersive type of, of nomading, let's say. I like the, okay, let's stay here for six months, get build a bit of community, have some roots, get to know the locals, get to understand what day-to-day life is here. Um, you know, and that's where being in Brazil, even though I wasn't there full on for a year, I went back and forth. I did spend time in Canada, but overall, I'd say I spent over a year with multiple trips. Um, it really allowed me to become fluent in Portuguese and immerse myself in the culture to the point that, you know, to this day, I I really do feel, (laughs) um, I really do feel partially Brazilian in a sense, you know, I, I absolutely was within the culture, love the culture. I think Brazil has some of the most loving, open hearted people. It could make me cry. Just talking about Brazil, the dance, the music, the food it's well, we'll get into that in an episode because Brazil absolutely deserves its own episode for the, for the place it has in my heart. Um, it's also a massive country. So here, there's no way we're getting through that whole country in this episode. But to, just to say that I think if you're going to go digital nomad, we need to talk about pace, the pace of travel. Um, and so if you're set on one way or the other, no, I want to hit a bunch of countries or no, I'm going to just, you know, one or two countries that have always been my dream. That's going to really dictate what you do. If you're on the longer term immersive digital nomad track of let's say six months to a year type of idea in a country then I think a nomad visa is your best friend it's a different approach um not a lot of people actually get them (laughs) this is kind of new I think it's a way for governments to kind of track who's working here but it's not fully enforced even now, I would say, because some a lot of these visas are just being rolled out. One of them that I know about for sure is in Croatia. Um, I'm very lucky to be a, a you know a citizen of Croatia and a passport holder. So maybe those two things are legally interchangeable. I've got to be careful. <laughs> I have a passport. I'm a Croatian. Um, so you know, I, I don't have the stipulation, but if you're going to do, if you want to technically do this right, and you're someone that's staying for six months to a year in a country, um, you might want to consider a remote work visa kind of just makes things clean from a work perspective. And if you're hanging around one spot, you want to do it right. You don't want to have immigration troubles. So, um, that would be my recommendation. Croatia does have a digital nomad residence permit. Um, if you're a non-EU resident. So if you're somebody in Europe and 
you're you're a resident of the EU, you don't need this. Um, this is more for a Canadian American type of deal and or I guess some parts of South America and Asia, you can apply for this. And you're looking at about 170 bucks. Um, and what I'll do is I'll link to an article from Girl Boss that kind of actually goes into a bunch of different countries and just the, the visa component. So I'll link to that because I think it was a useful useful article that I found that lays out different countries, got Mauritius, Estonia, Iceland, um, Portugal, Bahamas, Ecuador, Costa Rica, Greece. So a lot of the fun ones. Um, but so that would be something to consider, right? Is do you need a visa? How long are you staying in these places? If you're more touristing around, but working for your, for a company in your home country, less of an issue, right? They're really just concerned about you working. The biggest concern is, are you working and taking work from someone in our country and clients in our country, right? Like if you're an American working at an American company and you're going to, I don't know, Nicaragua for two weeks, do they care that you're answering work emails? No, not really, right? It's if you're trying to get business from that country. So, you know, again, it depends what you're doing duration from a duration perspective. If you're going to live there for six months, that's when you need to set up roots, have a place to live, build community, whether it's church, some type of fitness activity, sports teams. I think those are really great ways to get dialed in any kind of hobbies you have. If you like MMA or capoeira or like any kind of like martial arts type of idea or um, language classes are huge. You're going to want to integrate, integrate yourself. And so that comes from joining local groups of some sort. And as an adult, I get it. It's scary. Um, I like class pass. I like literally just Googling around. A big thing would be a co-working space if you're sticking around. Um, and if you're not, hostels are great. And even if you don't want to stay in a hostel, so if you want to stay in like an Airbnb type or like, you know, have more of an apartment situation so you can work from the apartment, finding a co-working space nearby and or cafe. There are a lot of like cafe co-working type ideas that exist. So a Google away, right? And that's a great way to get into the community and hostels. So even if you're not staying at the hostel, go, they'll have like happy hours. If you drink or just nights out, they'll have activities, join into their activities. They don't mind you pay the admission. They don't care if you join the group, right? You don't have to be staying there. Um, if you're paying to join usually, and some activities will even be free. So I think hostels are a great place to even just hang out. They usually have a cafe in the lobby or a bar in the lobby anyway, or maybe a restaurant. So if you're hanging out there, you will meet fellow tourists and be able to, to capitalize on that community. So I think building community is like number one when you're on the road, especially if you're a solo traveler, like I was for a lot of my travels sometimes. And, you know, then you meet people and you can travel together in groups and, and do that whole thing, which is so fun if your itineraries align. So, you know, I think this is just scratching the surface, an intro to digital nomadism. But uh, I really hope that if you're considering a year abroad or six months abroad or want to do some travel, this is even some of these visas and things are accessible even to families. So I've seen families on the road too. This is not just like a single young person thing. Um, it takes a bit more coordination if you've got kids and a spouse, but uh, lots of couples and, and families with young kids traveling. So I wouldn't limit yourself, although it just is an extra layer, but everything's possible if this is something you've been dreaming of. So I really hope you'll consider take trying this out. If you've got a couple of spots on your bucket list, I mean, why not? Um, 
I know families that rent out their house for a year. If you're not into people being in your space, okay, you might have to save up, right? If you're going to be paying a mortgage and doing this, there are obviously financial implications, but I think the experiences I've had on the road are some of the best of my life. And there's no question that it's worthwhile to figure it out. Even if you do just, it doesn't have to be a full on lifestyle change forever. It can be I'm doing this for the next year. I'm going to see a couple countries or just there's just one country that I've always been enamored with. I'm going there. I'm getting the digital nomad visa and and I'm going to live in wherever, <laughs> Croatia for a year. You know, um, it's just your time is limited and there's no reason like it's just it's so worthwhile. I can't even imagine a reason why a year uh, living abroad it wouldn't be a good idea other than the costs incurred if you do have financial burdens at home, which I, I do understand. So it's going to take some strategy. You might not be able to just pick up and pack your bags and go tomorrow. Um, but I think it's worth your while if there's somewhere in the world that your heart has been calling you to go. So I will pick up this series with each specific country that I have sort of spent some time in, or I've found captured my heart and attention. Um, and we'll continue down the pathways of, okay, what what are kind of the logistics? What do I see works? But I think I gave you kind of the key bits right now, which is, hey, co-working space or place to work hostels or places where tourists gather, which hostels are usually the best, right? Um, but or tours or walking tours or activities where you can meet other people that are exploring the area. Co-working is really huge. And then plug into your local hobbies, church, yoga, um, any kind of sports. If you if you like playing on sports teams, find a league like that. Then your dance martial arts, kayaking, I don't know, whatever you like to do, find a local group that's doing it because, and meetup's a good site for that, although it's not everywhere. Um, but the more you can get into a local community, your experience will just skyrocket in terms of immersion and thus, I think, unique experiences to the place. The more you can be in that place and in that local spot, of course, the more you'll understand the local nuances. So that's critical. Um, and also just defining what kind of digital nomading you're thinking of doing from a frequency of movement perspective. Um, and I'll add the link to the visa bit. So I hope this has been a good just brush of the surface on digital nomading, being a digital nomad. And uh, I'll see you next time for the first country in our series. I think I'll keep it a secret, but you'll see it if it's already out. <laughs> but I will see you next time for that. I love travel. So this series is just going to be a lot of fun and I'm so glad you're, you're on the road with me. So see you next time and take good care until then. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. It really helps the show when you like review, subscribe, or donate to support the effort to continue producing amazing episodes, just like this one. I look forward to seeing you again in another episode very soon and take good care until then.